Uh, wow, uh, Christmas is almost upon us. Uh, last week, my family celebrated uh, my youngest son Zane's 13th birthday. Today, we celebrate uh, my daughter Whitney's 24th birthday. Uh, Whitney's 24 years old today. Give Whitney a big hand. Uh, she, has, uh, she has brought just uh, continued joy into our lives. Uh, I can't believe that she's 24. That means that Angie's old. That's what that means. All right. Well, we're, we're, we're here in the month of December, and, and I want to preach a Christmas message today that I've entitled, Why Did Jesus Come? Speculation, rumors, innuendos, gossip, hearsay. Really, this is the climate that our culture loves to bask in. We love to hear it. And we love to share it, don't we? Uh, classic example, just look at what has gone on at the University of Arkansas's football, football program as they have searched for a new uh, head football coach. Over the last uh, month or so on uh, Sports Talk Radio, if you listen to that in the morning or in the afternoon, it's all you're hearing, uh, rumor, speculation. Everybody has their own list. Who, who do they think Jeff Long is going to hire? This list, that list. Uh, all these men calling in. Very few women call in, but it's all these guys, you know, and, and, and they're just saying, oh, I think he's going to hire. I think, you know, and then finally Jeff Long hires a guy and it blows everybody away because none of us had him on our list. But then we find out he was raised on a pig farm and we love him. Yeah. All kinds of rumors and speculations, man, they're all over the place. We, we wonder why people do what they do, why people go where they go, and why people say what they say. And men are not the only one who do this. Uh, women are probably just as bad, if not worse. Uh, uh, church ladies, here's what I know. Church ladies can spend hours on the phone wondering why sister so-and-so wore those shoes with that dress. And instead of just calling her and asking her, they call seven others just like them and involve them in the discussion as well. Here, we love to be in the know, don't we? Come on. We love to be in the know. Well, Christmas is all about Christ coming to the earth. But why? Really think about it. Why? Why in the world did Jesus leave heaven and come down here? Well, we don't have to wonder because he tells us. When Jesus Christ deployed himself on the soil of this planet to fight the forces of evil, he wanted all the world to know his mission. And so he repeatedly used the phrase. Jesus kept saying through the Gospels, I have come. I have come to do this. I have come to do this. I have come to do that. I've counted 13 times in the Gospels where Jesus used that phrase or something like it, I have come. Thus the importance of those words that he repeatedly used, I have come. Now we don't have time today to look at all 13 occurrences of this phrase, but I would like to show you a few of them. Four, in fact. First, Jesus came to represent his Father. He explains it this way in John chapter 6, verse 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. This concept really comes from the Old Testament. 
In Psalms 40, we find it is a messianic psalm. That is, it is predictive in nature. It is a prophecy about the coming Messiah. Though written a thousand years before Jesus actually came, it's all about Jesus. Let me read a couple of verses. Psalms 40, verse 6. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have pierced. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am. I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. And then we come to the Gospels in John where Jesus said, I have come to do the will of him who sent me. And then if you skip over to the book of Hebrews chapter 10, the writer is quoting these words found in Psalms 40. Really using the words of Psalms 40 and putting them in Jesus' mouth given in advance. This is what Hebrews 10 says. Therefore when Christ came into the world he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then said I... Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. Jesus came to do the will of his heavenly Father. That was his purpose in coming. I come, Jesus said, to do the will of my heavenly Father. Well, in a newsletter, missionary and college president George Murray wrote about the many holiday seasons that he spent overseas. He and his wife were missionaries in southern Europe for 13 years. Not long after his arrival in Italy, the holidays approached and, and this young couple was faced with their very first Christmas away from home and away from friends and families. Uh, they experienced genuine homesickness. They longed for familiar sights and sounds and even smells like pumpkin pie and cranberries, which were unknown commodities in the Mediterranean basin they were now living in. They missed family gatherings. They missed their childhood traditions. And they badly wanted to be back home for Christmas. Then one day as George was meditating on the meaning of Christmas, it, it, it hit him. Christmas is not about going home. He had always had that concept in his head. Christmas is about going home. Many of you are going to go home for the holidays. But it dawned on George that Christmas is not about going home. Christmas is really about leaving home. Because that's what Jesus did. He deliberately left the comfort and security of his heavenly home to come to this sin-filled world. He was obeying his heavenly Father. He was representing God to mankind. Jesus said, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Behold, here I am. I have come to do your will, my God. That was his reason for coming, to do the will of God. Now, anytime I'm reading the Bible or studying or even writing sermons, I'm constantly looking for that point of application because I believe the word of God is applicable. Every part of it applies to my life. And, and so as I was writing this, I mean, it just, it, bam, dawned on me. 
That should be my purpose as well in life. Huh? To do the will of my Father in heaven. Since Jesus saved me and changed me and cleansed me and turned me into a new creation, I am a new creation in Christ. My desire now is to do the will of my Father in heaven. Just as it was Jesus' desire to fulfill God's mission, His plan and His will in His life, so should it be our desire, dear Christian, to fulfill God's perfect plan in our life. Well, next he came to light a fire, or as Jesus said it, to kindle a fire. I'd, I'd like to read a passage in Luke chapter 12. This is what Jesus said in verse 49. I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Now, I will admit to you that is somewhat of a difficult passage of Scripture, is it not? But I think it can be best understood when you pick out three words and understand those three words. The three words are fire, baptism, and division. Jesus Christ said he was going to kindle a fire, undergo a baptism, and create a division. To me, the second and third aspects of this passage are, are really pretty easy to interpret. The, the baptism that Jesus Christ is, is dreading here is his baptism into suffering. His passion. His baptism to the cross. The division that he speaks of would between, be between those who would receive him and those who would reject him. Uh, even in family units... He said families of five, maybe, maybe two would receive him and three would reject him. There would be division in that family. Father against son, son against father. Maybe you can understand the mother-in-law and daughter-in-law part, but you know. The division is here. It's even in your families. Those of you who have followed Christ, you're misunderstood by your family and sometimes even cut off. From your family. We understand that. But what did Jesus mean when he said, I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled? Well, let's look to the Bible for an explanation to that. In Luke chapter 3, verse 16, John the Baptist said that the coming Messiah was going to set fire to the earth and burn the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now, fire in the Bible is a symbol for judgment. In other words, Jesus Christ came to this earth to deal with and to destroy the force of evil in the world. Jesus Christ came to judge sin and deal with evil. That's why he came. Now, I've often been asked the question, if God were such a good God and loving God, why is there so much evil in the world? 
In fact, in the series I didn't get to finish, the, the hazmat series, I was going to try to deal with, with this particular subject. Why is there so much evil in the world if God is such a good, loving God? I mean, wh- why doesn't He just deal with it? And the answer is, He has dealt with it. And He is dealing with it. That's why Jesus came. That's what the cross is all about. Let me try to paraphrase this passage in Luke chapter 12. What I believe Jesus was saying is this. I have come to deal with sin and I have come to judge evil. I'm going to kindle a fire and cleanse the world of evil. But in the process of doing that, I am going to be plunged into an ocean of suffering. And in the process the world will be divided over me. And everyone on planet earth must choose to accept me or to reject me. That's why he came. And you know what? The point of application to this particular aspect of his coming for you is this. You've got to choose. I don't want to choose preacher. I just want to stay neutral in this. You can't. If you say that, I'm not going to choose. I'm going to stay neutral. You've already chosen. Not to choose is to have chosen. You know, if you just try to slide through life and be a good person and not deal with this, Jesus is saying, you've chosen. You've rejected him. To receive him, you must invite him into your heart and submit to him. That's why he came. He came to say, folks, here it is. You choose me and you choose life. You reject me. You face death. He came to kindle that fire. Thirdly, he came to preach a message. Mark chapter 1 verse 35 says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Jesus came to preach a message. And what was that message? Well, in Mark chapter 1, verse 14, it says, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Or as the NIV says, proclaiming the good news of God. Uh, That is the the wonderful old Greek word euangelon. The prefix eu means good. The stem means angel or message. So we call it the gospel, the good news, the good message. This is one of the Bible's best and I think most wonderful words, and yet it still seems like an understatement to me. Just to call it the good news. Because it's better than the good news. (laughs) It's the best news. what, what, What is good news? Well, let's say you were trapped in a collapsed cave, running out of air in complete darkness, only minutes away from death, and then all of a sudden, as you were gasping for your last breaths, you heard workmen on the other side breaking through the rubble to rescue you. Would you call that good news? 
Exactly. Or how about this one? You're, you're there at your, at your kitchen table or wherever it is that you pay your bills. You got your checkbook in front of, me, in front of you. See, I'm thinking it's in front of me. <laughs> Bank statement there. You're, you're trying to balance the checkbook. You're trying to pay that stack of bills that's over there. And you, you come to the realization, I, you know, there's not enough to do it. I can't pay all these bills. I, I can't provide food for my family. I, you know, the kids are growing. They need new shoes. I can't buy baby new shoes. Christmas is coming up. There's just not enough to go around. And you're in despair. You're starting to sweat because there's not enough money. Then all of a sudden you get a phone call. And on the other end is a, an attorney that you've never met before. And he tells you that you have an uncle that you didn't know existed who's a multimillionaire. He just died and has left you $20 million. It could happen. <laughs> would you call that good news? Come on, wouldn't you? You better believe you would. Or let's say this, you're trapped in the hospital bed, connected to tubes and monitors. You're dying of a terrible, lonesome disease. And all of a sudden, the doctor comes in and says, i got good news for you, man. They have just released this new little pill that he has in his hands. He says, if you'll take this pill with a glass of water, you will instantly be healed. You'd call that good news. Well, here we are. Sinners separated from a holy God because of our own imperfections. We are trapped on a doomed planet facing death and judgment and hell. It couldn't get any worse than that. But God, who is rich in His grace and mercy and because He loves us, became man for us, willingly taking our place on Calvary's cross he rose from the dead so that we could be forgiven of our sins and receive eternal life. That's good news. It's great news. It's more than good news. But you know, we do not have a word in our vocabulary to adequately describe it. I kind of like what the angel said, though. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, <laughs> hallelujah, who is Christ the Lord. Amen. Jesus Christ came to preach the message. What is the message that he's preaching to you today? The good news. I don't care how bad your life is right now. I don't care how many horrible things that you have done. It doesn't matter how long you've been on that broad, wide road that leads to destruction. God's good news for you today is that you can be saved. Your life can be changed. He can transform you from the inside out. You don't have to die and go to hell. Because He has provided salvation for you. It's good news, man. It's great news. And all you have to do is receive it by faith. You can do that this morning. You can receive it by faith and your life can be changed. Well, finally, he came to enrich our lives. Not only to save us, but to give us life abundant. I love John 10.10. 10. Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come so that you could have life. 
And not just life, but I am offering you abundant life. Now, that little phrase, abundant life, is, has always captured me. Because you know, I'm, I'm one of these guys, you know, I want the best. Whatever there is, I want the best there is. You like that? I mean, don't just give me a milkshake. Give me the best milkshake you can make. Huh? I don't want just a steak. I want your best steak. If it's down to fried bologna, hey, get the premium stuff out, Jack. You with me? So this abundant life thing has always captured, it's always thrilled me. Jesus, Jesus has come not just to give you life where you can survive and kind of make it. He is offering something better than that, abundant life right here and now. The rest of the world is down here. He's giving you something that's up here, man. Now the world tries to fake that with all kinds of synthetic substitutes. Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you the real thing. It's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. I read about uh, two cities in New York State. Both of these cities get their water supply from uh, lakes that are in the mountains. But they're different lakes. One city gets its water from a mountain which tends to dry up in the summertime when it gets really hot. And, and, and when that lake dries up, the, the city has to issue all of these laws and all these warnings. You can't water your lawn. You can't wash your car. We're not, we're, you know, we've got to conserve the water. And, and so they have all these stringent laws passed. I, it's bad. It's a fearful thing living without water, huh? The other city, however gets its water from a lake that is in the Catskills, and it never goes dry. It's fed by underground streams. And the city never has to worry about not having enough water because they could never exhaust the water that is in the lake. And here's the point of application. Many of us, even as Christians, forget we have an endless supply of grace. <laughs> We forget that we have an endless supply of joy. Some of you have forgotten. <laughs> we forget that we have an endless supply of peace. Listen, we do not have to worry about our spiritual reservoirs. What we do have to do is tap into them. And we tap into them by faith. You, you see here, if we are committed to Jesus Christ and walking in the Spirit... We have a portion of God's blessing to draw from each and every day. Problems? Yeah. You bet. We've got them. We face them. We live in a real world. You know what? We have the ability to rise above those problems because of the abundant life that is available to us. But it's your choice. Your choice. Jesus said in John chapter 6, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, because the Spirit had not come yet. You know what? The Spirit has come. We can have those rivers of living water, of living life, flowing through us. Because that is why Jesus came. So that we could have life, life abundantly.
Here's what it comes down to. Jesus came to earth looking for you. Jesus came to planet earth looking for you. That's what Christmas is all about. Jesus Christ came looking for us. Yes, He came to represent the Father, to kindle a fire, to preach a message, to give us life, and to give it more abundantly. But He came for you. Jesus said, I have come. And therefore, 2,000 years later, we can sing joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. Has your heart prepared His room? Have you invited Jesus into your life? He came for you. And the cool thing is, He's right here this morning wanting to do something special for you. Wanting to enter your life and change you. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's talking about the door of your heart. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. That's what Christmas is about. Jesus wanting to do something special for you. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never received that gift, that indescribable gift that God has for you. Salvation. It, it, you know, it, it, it's not complicated. It's pretty simple. You just believe and you can receive. Would you do that today? Maybe you're here today and you are a Christian, but you, you've just been kind of you know, surviving through life. God's got something better for you than just surviving. He can allow you to thrive. He can give you that abundant life, but you've got to tap into it. You do that through faith, believing and asking. I don't know, maybe you're here today and you're just overwhelmed with joy and you want to come and praise God for coming for you. You can do that at the altar. One last thing. I'm looking for some folks who will, who will really come to the altar today and petition God for what we're going to do tomorrow night to adopt a family. Let, let's start right now asking God to, to soften the hearts of not only those kids, but those parents who are coming. That they would be receptive to our welcome, be receptive and thankful for the gifts, but most of all, receptive to the good news that we're going to share with them. Heavenly Father, I pray that now as we come to this most important time of the day, the time of invitation, that you would speak to hearts. Lord, for that person who needs to be saved and born again, I pray that they would come and receive you by faith. For those Christians who need to come today and tap into the abundant life, I pray that they would do so. For others, Lord, who just need to come and, and cast their life before you and, and pray for the burdens and needs on their heart, may they do so. And 
Lord, would many people come today. Put it on their heart to come and really saturate adopt a family in prayer. Lord, we give you this time and we give you our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand, heads bowed and eyes closed. As you stand up, why don't you come and pray, would you? Just step out right now and come. Christmas season. May we be a reflection of your great love. And I pray that every day we would tap into the abundant life that you have for us as believers. Lord, for all the needs that are in this place and all the requests that are being laid on these altars, I, I pray, dear God, that you would hear and answer. We love you and we commit our lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you. You can be seated. if 